0: was called judgment of the nations and uh hallelujah and that may not sound very edifying but i believe it'll really help you and even set you free from fear of judgment on your life and so i want and i've taught on judgment before but it's been a long time and i was going to read something that i have and it may turn out that i get to read it another time but i have this uh List of things that where and it's so many that it could not even be coincidental where the United States or some other nation made a decision or declared something and immediately there was a catastrophic event many times on the same day or the next day tremendous catastrophic event uh, and some of those a lot of those time things have to do with Israel anytime the United States does anything that's not good to Israel and we want to look in the scriptures and find out what that is why that is then usually the inner the United States opens itself up for a catastrophic event it does not mean that God says oh uh-oh here it comes, a tornado or something. That's not how it works. It works by the principles of God's Word. All of the judgments that are in the earth, and there are many judgments that are in the earth right now, all of them function according to the laws of the kingdom. God is not up there on a day-to-day basis making decisions. He already made all the decisions, wrote it in His Word, how it would work, and then He those laws function in the, in the earth. And so... Um, Nothing is happen, happening randomly or for no reason. And I think so many of the church just thinks, oh, you know, everything's a big coincidence. Not, things aren't coincidental, but neither are they the direct judgment of God. And we're going to look at some scriptures tonight that talk about how God is... Um, About how God treats the different parts. One of the areas that we run into confusion in. Is when we lump every person in the earth. And every entity in the earth. Into the same big bowl. In other words we don't rightly divide the word. In 2 Timothy 2.15. We can turn over there. And the Bible tells us. That we are going to have to divide the word. In order to understand it. Uh. It, it, let's see, 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm getting there. Study, it says, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the, that teaches us that the word of God must be divided. And we know that even in our Bible, there's a division, and it's called Old Testament and New Testament, and things work different in the Old Testament than they worked in the New Testament. And when Christians who are born again go over and try to live under old covenant rules, they get all messed up, because we have a new covenant, and that's that. And the old covenant is not in force for for us. And so uh, then in First Corinthians ten thirty two, these are not new scriptures to some of you. If you went to Bible college, we studied this extensively when it came to spirit, soul, and body. That's one way that we must divide the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God, when is not written, is written in such a way that sometimes it's talking about our spirit man. The man you can't see that's on the inside of me. Sometimes it's talking about our soul man, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Your spirit got saved. Pastor read the scripture Sunday that you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. That's talking about the spirit man. The man you cannot see. That's why on the day you got born again, you may have gone out and smoked a cigarette and drank a a pint of something. And still, you had a real experience with God. Now, your soul has to be uh, renewed or transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it is a process. And eventually, your soul is supposed to come into line with your spirit and be holy and clean and pure. But you may have seen a Christian before act not like a Christian. Did you ever see somebody that said they was a Christian and they didn't act Christian? And you go, they must not be saved. Well, you're probably wrong. They probably are. If they truly, now everybody that says, I know there's people that are Christian in name only. They call themselves Christian because they go to a church. Or they call themselves Christian because they were born into a Christian family. Or sometimes just because on the form it says, are you a Jew or Jewish or Christian, you know. Oh well, I'm Christian, I'm, you know, or you know, because well, yeah, we're kind of Presbyterians or something. But that is not what being a Christian truly is. Truly, being a Christian is having had a real, true experience with the Holy Ghost, where you, I mean, a conversion with, and it has to be by the power of the Holy Ghost, where you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that is what a true Christian is. So I know we've seen people that are Christians in name only. Because, and they call themselves that uh, for whatever reason, but they've really not had that experience with the Holy Ghost, and you you have to uh, you have to have that in order to be born again. And so, and then there's the the spirit soul and body. Our, there's our physical body, and we uh, our physical bodies are uh, uh, in process also of being healed, delivered. And, uh, and then eventually we're going to get our resurrection body, which will be perfect. Your body's not going to be perfect until you get your resurrection body. And that's going to happen when we go up in the rapture. You're going to get a new body in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. And so that's going to be a powerful thing. And that and then your body will not be subject to death. It will not be subject to pain. And you'll you, hey, you're going to walk through walls just like Jesus did. After he was after the de- after his death burial and resurrection, he walked through walls. Hallelujah! Won't that be fun? Hallelujah! And during the millennial reign, there's going to be people here on earth that are born during the tribulation, and they'll be here on earth. And people that didn't receive Jesus Christ before the tribulation, they'll stay on earth in the tribulation. We'll be gone and get our resurrection bodies. But when we come back, we'll have a resurrection body, but they won't. And Brother Copeland had a vision one day and he heard people standing over here pointing at some of us Christians saying, Look, look, that's those glorious ones. We're going to have the glory all over us. And we do now. You just don't see it. It's emanating out of us now. Hallelujah. So so in the earth, we have to divide also the judgments. We have to look in the word. And we cannot lump every person from every nation. And we cannot lump the Jews and the church and uh, all together. And we have confusion when we do that. Um, uh, let me see uh first Corinthians. did i read first no i didn't first corinthians 10 32 gives none offense give none offense neither to the jews nor to the gentiles nor to the church of god so there's three groups right there and he separates them out to the jews to the gentiles And to the church of God. Well, we are in the church of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are in the worldwide corporate body called the church. Hallelujah. And that is a very big blessing. And Jews that are saved, now they may have a heritage of being Jewish, but they are now the church and they may say my heritage is Jewish and sometimes they'll call themselves messianic Jews but they're they are in the church and so they fall into that group when it comes to how God deals with them and then God has the gentiles the gentiles is the unsaved everybody in the earth that's not Jewish that's unsaved and sometimes the bible calls it the nations when you see the word, the nations, God is talking about unsaved. And then he's also talking about the individual nations in some verses like Greece and Turkey and Bolivia and United States of America. All these nations in the earth. And then there's the Jews or the, and, and then specifically in that is Israel. And God has, has, has set aside Israel as a special nation. It was a, he, The Bible says it was by election. He chose that. And the reason He chose Israel is He needed a nation. This is back in the Old Testament. He needed a nation to bring Messiah through. He needed to bring Messiah into the earth after the fall of man in the garden and he had to have a nation to do it and he picked a small one very small on purpose because it's easier to deal with a l- few people than it is with a lot of people he couldn't have got it done if he would tried china it just wouldn't have happened what is there like 20 million or no there's a one 2.2 two billion where'd i get 20 million i don't know that's a, is that in the united states maybe i don't know anyway there's a lot of them folks <laughs> Hallelujah, and so uh, we have to discern when it comes to judgment to three, four ways. Then we have to discern: Jews is this is God is this judgment about the Jews? Is it about the Gentiles, the unsaved? Is it about the Church of God, or is it about the nations? And there's a lot of judgment going on right now, and we'll continue concerning nations and how nations uh, are treating a lot of things, and we'll we'll look at those. And so different rules apply to different ones, different, these different parts. Say the Jews, the Gentiles, the church, and the nations. And when I say nations there, I, I'm meaning the individual countries, okay? Okay, so different rules apply and different scriptures apply. And sometimes when we see catastrophes in the earth, sometimes it is a national judgment against that nation. Sometimes it's just a weather system that came through. And, and, and even in that, that is part of the curse uh, it, that's in the earth in Genesis. When, when when Adam fell, bad destructive weather came in, along with sickness, disease, everything horrible in the earth right now came because of the curse that was brought on by Adam's fault okay so y'all have got that y'all are right with me I can tell so um we just need to understand that catastrophes in the earth are not God throwing down lightning bolts or whooping up tornadoes that is not God and that's why we gave out a book when the tornado came to Tuscaloosa don't blame God hallelujah and we're going to see that. This is going to be interesting to you. The, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember some of the things that were listed on my list. And one of them I remember especially because I've heard this taught a lot. Was uh, back when George H. Bush, the first George Bush, was president. Uh, and, and I'm not saying he's a bad man. Sometimes men do things because they have no understanding in a certain area. So I don't want you to think that I'm saying he's a ba- he was a bad man. I'm not. But at one point Israel asked the United States for some money and right actually shortly before his uh, first term of office was going to be up and he refused Israel and one of the things the Bible always tells us is that he's gonna bless those that bless us curse those that curse us and he had dealings with the Palestinians against Israel well Uh, How many of you ever saw the movie, The Perfect Storm? Okay. That movie was made about a real storm that came, and every perfect condition came together, like one day after George H. Bush refused Israel what they needed and it was like the every condition came together perfectly and it hit the new england states and specifically the very exact point of contact was his vacation home (laughs) it was like and not only that he he just a few days later this happened in october a few days later he lost the election um and you know the church was pretty like what? What happened? And he lost that election. And so he, um, Billy Brim, has taught us for years, and I am I agree with this that the reason George Bush, George H. Bush, lost the election for his second term in office was because of his treatment of Israel. Okay, and so that was a national judgment that was not sent specifically even against him but against the decisions of the administration caused the nation this to happen in our nation and then we had got elected a man named uh bill clinton and bill clinton now we all know he was not moral although i believe with all my heart the man is saved He's a born again Christian. I believe that. I'm not sure about his wife. I'm not declaring anything there. I refuse. I refuse to commit. Hallelujah. But he was raised Baptist. But you know, and in the South, everybody's grandmother was Pentecostal, and he has a Pentecostal grandmother. But one of the things, and this is reported widely, that his Baptist pastor told him before he ran for office. Uh, maybe even when he was still governor of Arkansas, I don't remember exactly the timetable, but told him, whatever you do, be good to Israel. And he did a lot of bad things, but one thing Bill Clinton did right was he was good, very good to Israel. And guess what? He got a second term. Hallelujah. So anyway, but those are just some of the things about the way it works. Now, Katrina, that's another thing. Katrina uh, came uh, shortly after we did something bad nationally but another thing that happened really bad right before Katrina in New Orleans is they had a big gay rights march. Huge gay rights march. Like the day before. And Or the week before actually. They actually, some of those gay people went into a Catholic church and desecrated that church. and And Katrina you know ripped up new orleans there was a judgment against the nation god is not judging individual people as much as he's judging nations individual people god judges another way and we'll see that and it's not him just saying you know i don't like you and i'm really tired of this Coop. That's not how it works. That's not it's all by the kingdom laws and the kingdom principles is how, how how it works. And we'll explain that further as we go. Because if God was judging people, right now he would go to Iran and he would annihilate Abakma right. Because right. he has said with his own mouth that he wants to take Israel off the face of the earth. Which is not gonna happen, by the way. Okay, and he would have gone to Germany in wor- before World War II ever happened, and he would have gotten rid of Hitler. So we know God's not judging. See, sometimes we, we don't understand because we go, oh, I think God's judging me. Well, if he's judging you, why didn't he judge somebody worse? You know, he's not judging people like that. There are judgments that are coming But they're not coming because God's saying, you, okay, I've had enough. You, I've had enough. No, that's not how it's working at all. And so uh, we had Katrina. Now, just this year we had another one hit New Orleans. It's like, and you know the very day that that one hit New Orleans again this year, guess who was there? Big gay rights thing. It's like, New Orleans needs to get a clue that this gay rights thing is not bringing the best. Hallelujah. It's like sin, here's what it is. Sin will draw the curse to you faster than anything. God doesn't say, man, I hate that gay rights march. Well, they had gay rights marches. They, they have gay rights marches every day in San Francisco. So that's not it, it's that here's a weather system, it's whirling and twirling, Alabama's praying, don't come here, don't come here, in Jesus' name, Mississippi's saying, don't come here, don't come here, in Jesus' name, New Orleans is saying, yippee, come on gays, we welcome you, come on, hallelujah, and so where can it find a hole to get in? That's the hole it finds, and it just goes right up the gut, hallelujah. So that's what's happening in that. Now, that's just a couple of things, so let's move on. So we have these different things that are happening in the earth because of that. Um, sometimes when we see judgment in a, in a nation, it's, the, it's a sign to us as a nation that the protection of God is not there over our nation like it should be. Like, for instance, 9-11 should have given us a clue. There's something not working right here. In our nation, wonder what it is. Wonder what uh, 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 what what could be happening here. One of the things that I was going to read was about Joplin, Missouri. Now that happened right after Tuscaloosa's tornado. Joplin, Missouri, was split right down the middle by a tornado. it, went, it actually split it in half. The tornado. The day before, President Obama said, uh, "We want Israel to go back to 1967 borders." And we're going to, We want to split Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem was won back in 1967 in a war. Uh, up until that time, it was split between the Palestinians. Now it is the capital of Israel. He said, "I want Israel to go back to pre 19 to pre 1967 borders." The next day, we got one of our cities split right in two. So it was not so much, listen, it was not about the people in Joplin, Missouri being bad people. It was about a nation that that opened itself to judgment whether systems were able to get in and kill, steal, and destroy. Well, what about Tuscaloosa? Well, I don't know of anything that drew in, judgment, oh, in the judgment, a judgment tornado into Tuscaloosa. But one thing, it could have been just weather systems, but one thing it showed us for sure is we don't have the protection over our city we need. That the church is not covering the city like it needs to cover the city. And we've got to pray. We've got to pray differently. We've got to learn to pray. And we've got to learn to cover our, our home, first of all, and our family. We've got to learn to cover our neighborhoods. And Lord, I am so impressed by what prayer. I have never been, I've prayed for my house. I've drawn a bloodline around my house. Pastor was speaking to that tornado that came in uh, December 2000. Uh, December sixteenth, 2000, it was headed right for Hinton Place. Him and Eric walked out in the backyard, took a picture of it as it was coming right toward them. It lifted up over our house and went over to Hillcrest Meadows, which is where we used to live. And I told uh, somebody, I said, you know, the devil couldn't remember where we lived. And he was trying. He was, he, so he just kind of shot for both, no, hallelujah, he, he didn't know we moved in May of that year, so, anyway, but, uh, we didn't know enough then, maybe to save our whole neighborhood, we didn't, because it got the whole backside of Hinton Place, front side of Hinton Place, you know, all the older side of Hinton Place, it got all of it, and it got a lot, of, it got Hillcrest Meadows bad, but, uh, didn't get the house where we used to live, though, but anyway, uh, Uh, We didn't know that we could have protected our neighborhood at that time, but now I know. So I've been praying this summer as I was praying on the porch a lot. I fixed my porch up last year, so I prayed on the porch more this year, and so this summer and spring I was praying on the porch and I got inspired to pray for our neighborhood and our neighbors, and I began to pray for my neighbors, and I've never really even liked my neighbors very good. One of the reasons is because of the horrible decorations they put out i mean they're not bad neighbors and then the some of our neighbors are really anti-god you can tell mad at god if they find out you're a preacher then they go the next five years and don't speak to you but as i started praying for my neighborhood um I, things started to change and the next door neighbor that's never spoke to me who walks her dog and sees me out there has gotten to where she will speak to me first and, and now, the other day, I was reading a book. I wasn't even looking up. I didn't even see her. And she got all the way past me and looked back and hollered at me, good morning. And I'm like, God, something's changing in this woman. You're changing her heart. My neighbors across the street who have always put up October 31st direction de- decorations till it was just horrible. I mean, just horrible. I mean, gravestones and everything. And I ever. Uh, Uh, I prayed over them all year, and all of a sudden, back in August, here comes a big cross on the front of their house, a metal cross. And I'm thinking, wow, now they've been, I knew they were Christians, but I've never seen anything like that. Well, this year, so I, boy, about a month ago or longer, I thought, Lord, I don't want to see this stuff during my prayer time. Lead those people a different way. They didn't put any of it out this year. And the next door neighbors on the corner, they put it out. And guess what? They left it up about five days and it disappeared. I don't know if it got stole or what, but it all disappeared. Hallelujah. This prayer is working for my neighborhood in more ways than just protection. But I'm praying, you know, no break-ins, no burglaries, and all those kind of things over our neighborhood. So, uh, you know, hallelujah. There's blood over our neighborhood, the blood of Jesus. So the first kind of judgment that we're going to talk about tonight is uh, the kind that's always operating. And that is the curse of Genesis 3.13, if we want to go over there. This curse is always operating in the earth. Always. And it will be until uh, the millennial reign of Christ. When that happens, the curse in the earth will be changed. But in, when, when Adam fell... You know, he, uh, he ate the apple. Eve tempted him with the apple. We're going to blame the woman. <laughs> Actually, it was Adam's fault because he should have stood up, led his family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, but verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between the seed and her seed, And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And goes on. From there but that is the curse that's in the earth that's always operating that affects every one of us it spent it affected us until we get born again every man and woman and boy and girl in the earth that's not born again lives under this curse when we get born again we get to come out from under this curse only for two reasons and that is uh, found in second Peter 1: 4. We get born again. We have access to, 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 to use the word of God to, to be delivered of the curse. Hallelujah. The curse that's in the earth. Second Peter 1.4 And you must do this or the curse that's in the earth will affect you, your family. You know, you have a baby born with a birth defect. What caused that? The curse that's in the earth. But you can escape that. And Second Peter, Peter 1 tells us how. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The corruption came into the world through the lust of Satan. Satan wanted to be in charge. Corruption came into the world. And the only way we can escape it is by the exceeding great and precious promises. I'm talking about the curse that's in the earth. That is the only way to escape it is to speak forth the word of God in your life, in your situations, for your family and to speak that forth and that it then and so when you hear the tornados coming, what do you do? You speak the word. Hallelujah, you declare the word. I'm hidden in the secret place of the most high you know, get some word in you or get some books. There's books that have all the promises under topics. There are, there's books out there that tell scriptures to pray over this area and over that area and, you know, there's books that you can buy that say, okay, here's a scripture to pray for childbearing and so forth. An example of that is 1 Timothy 1, if you'll turn there, how we can take the word and overcome the curse that's in the earth. First Timothy one, and this works for Christians. For you to tell your person that you know that has never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, now all you have to do is pray Psalm ninety one. It won't work for them. So sometimes we need to just keep some things to ourselves. It would be more do more good for you to pray mercy over them. And say, Lord, spare them. They haven't had time to receive Jesus Christ. They have not done that. Lord, we ask you to forgive them. We ask you to help them. I ask you to, to protect them through this storm. That's a better way to pray than to tell them to speak the word. Uh, for, uh, it's first Timothy 2.15. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. So we we just read in Genesis where it said, "You women that you're going to have uh, suffering or what did it say, grief or sorrow? I think it said sorrow in childbearing." But here's a way to escape that curse: is he said, "No, if you, he said uh, if you will uh, if you are uh, will get in faith." and get in the Word of God, you'll be saved. During uh, say, And saved is a word that means sozo, which means delivered, healed. You know, it's a very powerful word. It doesn't just mean, well, you'll barely make it through after 46 hours of labor. Right before you die. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not what it means, the being saved. It means that there's a way to be whole in childbirth there's a way to be to overcome in childbirth in childbirth childbirth hallelujah yeah that's it are they worth it when you're in that labor you're going is this child worth it? <laughs> but when it's over you say oh yeah it's worth it he's worth it she's worth it hallelujah hallelujah and then when they're teenagers you rethink it all over again it's like i don't know <laughs> one mama said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> no. And then another thing, another way of escape that God has provided the church is found in Psalm 91. Now these are not the only places it's found, but we don't have to go time to go through every scripture in the Bible that provides us a way of escape. But my point is this, that, that the curse that's in the earth, there's just one way of escape, and that's the Word of God. Hallelujah. Even prayer is not your way of escape. Especially helpless prayers, fearful prayers. Oh, help God, help. Oh, God, oh, God, we're about to die. Oh, God, that is not going to do you any good to pray that way. Speak the word. Even if you're shaking while you're doing it, speak the word. And that's what will see you through. God hastens over his word to perform it. Psalm 91, I'm trying to get there. Hallelujah. And this is another way that we escape the corruption that's in the world. Praise God. Psalm 91, and looking all the way down to verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, be sure you set your love upon God. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. The name of Jesus. Do you know it? Do you know it? Is it? it and it's not Christ either. Christ is a title. Christ means anointing. and Or anointed one. It does not... Uh, it does not is not the name that's above every name. Christ is not the name that's above every name. Jesus is the name that's above every name. And when you know that name, and you know the power of that name, and the authority of that name, and you speak that name, well, there is a way to overcome and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. So, when you can't think of a scripture, in fact, that song that uh, Marla sang, it says... Uh, I think it says something about when you can't think, what else to say? Say the name. Say the name of Jesus. Cry out the name. You know, sometimes if a car, if you're having a wreck, and Marla and, uh, and uh, uh, Sandy, uh, and uh, uh, when they said they were having that wreck in Alabama, it started happening, there wasn't time to start quoting Scripture. All they could start saying is crying out the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, cry out the name. Call that name. Jesus. And he comes and he saves and he delivers. Hallelujah. There is great power in that name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The, um, the second type of judgment that we're going to talk about tonight is the judgment for reward. And let's go to Psalm 1. I hope that's right. I hope the typist got that right verse 5. Yeah. This is the this is the judgment. Now, you see sometimes we think judgment's just totally a bad word, but anytime you get reward, it's because God judged and he said, "I'm going to reward that." Amen. Hallelujah. So there's a judgment that's unto good. That's unto blessing. That's under reward. And we want to be uh, very aware of that. Psalm 1:5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. This is talking about a special judgment that's not for ungodly hallelujah, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, hallelujah, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish, so there is a judgment that's reserved just for the righteous, and we're going to look at some places about that, but I wanted to show you that, that the ungodly don't get to go there, Uh, one of the judgments, we won't turn there, remember Matthew 25, 21, where God said, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That is a judgment and there's a reward with it. And God says, I judge that. You've been faithful over a a, a few things. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So that's a judgment unto reward. Judgment, uh, excuse me, Matthew 12, 20. Let's read that scripture. We want the good judgment. We want to take the word and stop the judgment that's in the earth, the curse that's in the earth. You know, you can ask, well, why did something happen? And a lot of things you can just say, the curse that's in the earth. The curse that's in the earth, that's why it happened. Uh, 12.20 A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory so a lot of judgment is necessary for God to bring in order that we have victory he's called us to live in victory and he has to judge situations in order for us to live in victory and so that's a good judgment that goes under that good judgment another judgment that's a that can be good or bad is a judgment that's found in Galatians 6 verse 7 this can go either way And it's not up to God, it's up to you and me. Galatians 6 verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then he says not to be weary in doing good, in sowing good things. It's what he's talking about. For in due season you will reap if you do not faint. That's another thing that this verse teaches about judgment is that judgments don't always come immediately. In fact, most often they don't come immediately. Sometimes they might, but most often we don't. We can sow a seed and we may not get to reap the blessing of a good seed sown for quite some time. On the other hand, I've heard people say that they said something or did something and went straight out and whoom and got a harvest on that seed. So don't take the risk that it always is slow in coming, the sowing and reaping. Now, this is not God up in heaven saying, I like what you did. Here's a Here's a root, here's a blessing. That's not what it is. This is a so, this is sowing something into a ground, the ground, and it by a process of of godly kingdom law reproducing itself. This works for positive things. When we sow financial seed, when we sow kind words, when we sow love, when we sow mercy, when we sow um, uh, help. We just help somebody, do something, or help somebody. We're gonna reap help. At, at, at some time at some point in our life we're going to reap mercy from somebody in point in our life at some point in our life and that it also works in the opposite way if we're always criticizing, Judging other people. Guess what? God's not gonna be. God doesn't have to take care of it. He put the law in motion. It's gonna take care of itself. One of these days, somebody's not gonna show you mercy. They're not gonna show you. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna judge you harshly and criticize you. And you're gonna go, "Why is everybody out this place criticizing me?" You probably sowed it. I know I heard one person say though, he said when he something bad starts happening in his life, he asks the Lord, is this a seed something that the devil's trying to sow into my life or am I reaping something? Hallelujah. I believe most often it's we're reaping something because I don't think the devil can just, the Bible says curse causeless cannot come. There's always a way in that the devil's figured out. Uh, so um, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Let's turn there. This is another. These are laws that are put in the earth. These are not. So don't think God's up on His throne in heaven. See, it's not time for that kind of judgment. It's coming, but it's not time for it yet. It's not time. We're in a we're in a dispensation of grace, but we are under the word of God, and the word of God. Uh, has judgments in it, and it's the laws of the kingdom that are in operation. Judge uh, Matthew seven verse one. Where I can't find the beginning, I've written so much into my Bible, I can't even find where it says chapter seven. There I found it. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Praise God. And so this is the law of the kingdom. Don't judge. That word is actually in the Greek. It is... um, Mm-hmm-hmm. let me see where I'm at it is in the Strong's Concordance it's number 2919 that word judge and it means condemn so it's like don't be condemning others judging them and oh you know judging them bringing, putting them under condemnation for something they've done or guess what you're going to be put under condemnation not by God he's not going but the other people are going to bring you under condemnation why This is a, this is the same law of sowing and reaping that we see over in Galatians, over in in Luke six thirty one, as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them? Why? Because sowing and reaping is in effect. How you want to be treated, treat other men that way, other people that way. Hallelujah! And that doesn't just mean Christians. Luke six thirty seven and thirty eight. That's that. That's another. Uh, has to do with sowing and reaping. Luke 637. Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. So we know judgment, that actually means condemn. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. If you sow forgiveness, you'll get forgiven. Not just by God, but by other people. When you do something you shouldn't have done, they'll forgive you if you've been forgiving towards them. Give and it shall be given unto you, sowing and reaping. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men. This is not a reaping from God's scripture. This is a reaping from men. When you give, it will be given unto you. By who? By men. Hallelujah. With the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. But these are laws of the kingdom. These are God's laws and they work and they work every time. And we need to learn to work the laws. And cooperate with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. So um, another scripture is uh what about God doing bad things to people? Turn to John 12. You probably wonder, well, does God ever do bad things to people? And the answer is he no, he does not put sickness on people. John 12, 44. God does not put sickness on people. Number one, he doesn't have any sickness to put on people. There's no sickness in heaven. Sickness is totally against his will. We know heaven heaven reflects his perfect will. And sickness is totally against his will. It's the devil. And 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 the curse that's in the earth from Genesis that causes sickness to be in the earth. And it's no respecter of persons. It tries to come on everybody. There is nobody that doesn't have some uh uh Let's see. If you were to take their body and look under under a microscope, they may not be feeling pain, they may feel healthy. but if you looked at every person in the Earth's body under a microscope, you would find some defect of some sort that caused by Genesis and the curse in the earth. There is no perfect human specimen, although it is very we are very uh, blessed and, and hallelujah. And we can use our faith for, Every organ in our body becoming healthy and hallelujah, and that does not mean you're sick necessarily. It just means we can find a, we can find something that's shaped wrong wouldn't be shaped like God would have shaped it. Hallelujah, passed down or whatever. Y'all are looking at me like, no, my I don't have my toes aren't growed together. No, <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jesus. You may not have thought about that, and it may not. My dad always just says, we can swim faster than, there than anybody else. Hallelujah. Yeah, <laughs> because we have some webbed toes there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. John 12, 44. Hallelujah. Jesus cried and said, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. So if you believe on Jesus, you're believing in God. Hallelujah. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. Now does that amaze you? If a, you can go preach to a man, and if he doesn't hear it, won't have nothing to do with it, God, Jesus said, I'm not going to judge him. Hallelujah. I, I judge him not. I can't, he said, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him, when? In the last last days. In the last day. So it's not, it's not, Jesus, Jesus is not judging the sinner right now. But the word of God is going to judge the sinner. And there is, Even reason to believe here that it says, He that rejecteth me, and and let's say no, verse 47, any man hear my words, hear my words. There's a reason to believe from this scripture that if you've heard it, you're going to be accountable for it and be judged by that word. But there's going to be more mercy for those that didn't hear. In other words, and then there's another place in the word of God that talks about that where it says, To whom much is given, much is required. And that's in Luke 12, 48, if you're writing down scriptures. So we the hear, the word we hear, we're accountable for. Even if we didn't want to hear it. You can go to the jail and preach, Pastor Ken, and some of them didn't want to hear it. Some of them wouldn't even come out of the cell, he would tell me. And come down and sit with the other men. They didn't want to hear it, but they heard it sometimes anyway. And guess what? That word's going to judge them. Not Not right now. Not right now. It may appear like, well, that nah, you know, there, and that's why sometimes men just keep sowing bad things, and women, people. When I say men, I mean people. People keep sowing bad things is because they go, well, I didn't get judged for that. I got away with that, but guess what? The words are coming. <laughs> it's a coming on that last day. It's a coming, and we're gonna have a judgment. Now, that's not talking about us, because that because we've received His word. So that's not talking about us. But there's coming a judgment, of a reward judgment, and it's we're going, I call it the conveyor belt judgment. That's when our works are going to be put on a conveyor belt and go through a fire. And it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. And gold, gold, silver, and precious stones. And so the things we've done that were not profitable, not necessarily evil, but not profitable. And we all have way, way too much of that. I'm just like, oh, God, forgive us. For the, the wasted time, the wasted effort, the, the things that will not count in all eternity that are going to get burned up. And for what we didn't have time to do, it's not that you did it. It's that you didn't have time to do anything that's gold, silver, and precious stones because that's what we invested our lives in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we have to make really strong calls and make really strong decisions for how am I going to invest my life? And what if you just thought you just had two more years? Every you know, I think it's amazing. It's great that Joe Moore says Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back sooner than you think. But what really amazes me is all the books that have come out in recent years. I've seen several uh, where little children who would have no way of knowing these things went to heaven, and Jesus, because they got sick, they died, they went to heaven, and they came back and went and went. Uh, uh, Jesus said, for me to tell everybody, he's coming back soon. Even some of them in churches that don't preach that. That, that, that heaven is real. What were they? They were not like charismatic church where, uh, you know, they, they hear it every breath. You don't hear that often. I think it was Presbyterian or Lutheran or something. I don't know what it was. That he, You don't hear that every day in the Lutheran and Presbyterian church. Jesus is coming back soon. But the little boy died and went to heaven and came back saying, "God, Jesus is coming back soon." And so, that's amazing. Hallelujah. So, what if we just had a little time left? We need to make sure we're gold, gold, silver, and precious stones. Hallelujah. So, uh, judgment is 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 always, now, always. Always judgment is to bring about victory. Judgment is always redemptive. It's always for the purpose of redemption. And it's always, the motive of judgment is always love. Always love. Always. It's not, I'm mad at you, I'm angry, I don't like this. It's never that. It's if I don't stop this. If I don't stop this right now in its tracks then I'm not going to be able to do. The judgment was very harsh in the Old Testament. The reason was, if God didn't stop nations that would have annihilated Israel, there would be no Messiah. And so he said, go in, kill every man, woman, boy, girl, kill them all. Why? Because that sounds so harsh. That doesn't even sound like the God we know. That was a different time. God had to get Messiah here. Or guess what? Every man, woman, boy, and girl that was ever born in the earth would be in hell. So he stopped it. He always preserves righteous seed. He always gives them a chance to turn and repent. He sent Jonah to Nineveh. And they did turn, and they did repent. And Jonah was mad. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because sometimes as preachers, we're not all that holy. We really want God to judge some things. And you do too, sometimes. Your boss does you wrong, you want to call fire down. And, you know, the two disciples, one time they wanted to call fire down from heaven on something, and Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Hallelujah! Praise God! So there's all judgments always into victory. God loves people; He preserves righteousness. Hallelujah! I've got just a minute. Hmm. I don't know if I have that long. Let's wait. And next week we'll talk about nations and how nations are judged. And you, I think you might be amazed at how God judges nations. And I'm going to talk then why God didn't judge Hitler uh, like we would have thought He would have. I want to talk about that. Hallelujah. Praise God cuz it's 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 too we don't have enough time to cover that all. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So, hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Praise God. Thank you Lord. Anybody have a need in their life tonight? God wants to intervene.